What Jesus said as he was crucified reveals the great needs and questions of the human experience. He was on the cross to meet those needs. He rose again to secure our answers. We need forgiveness. He prayed, Father, forgive them. We need relationship. He promised the confessing thief, this day you'll be with me in paradise. We need provision for life's basic issues. He paused to instruct John to take care of his mother, Mary. Hello, everyone. I'm Joel Van Hoogen, and this is The Bread of Life, a radio ministry of the International Mission Church Partnership Evangelism and its associate fellowship, The Bread of Life, in Boise, Idaho. To learn more, go to traincpe.org or breadoflifeboise.org. There are four more sayings from the cross we will consider today. They will show us how wonderfully Jesus has met the great matters that guide our human experience. They reveal an argument for the necessity of the cross and the resurrection to satisfy the impulses residing in every person, including yourself. This life of providing for ourselves and others goes with us all the way to the end. And the question then is still begging, who will continue to provide? You know, you want to provide for your family, but they're likely going to live longer than you. Your ability to provide for them will only go so far. Who will provide for them then? You won't be able to. But he can. He will. He rises from the grave to watch over us and care for us and our basic needs. Paul writes in Philippians 4.19, My God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in glory in Jesus Christ. <laughs> He's risen a grave. He's risen from the grave. He's risen again to provide provide. Here's the next one. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The question here is, who will answer the hard questions for us? Can there be an explanation for the great complexities of life? Is there someone to give an answer for those moments when you, what is this all about moments in your life? And there are a lot of them. Jesus' cry was a cry for understanding and for a resolution to the confusion and cloudiness that comes to an individual in the midst of personal agony. There's a theological answer for why he cried for this. Of course, he's bearing our sins. He who knew no sin is becoming sin for us. He's taking the judgment that we deserve in order that he might open up a way for us to forgive us. Forgiveness means that you take the payment. The forgiver takes the payment. And on the cross, he's taking the payment for our sins and his suffering. And in that moment of judgment and God's righteous wrath against sin, the Father's face is turned from the Son and He's experiencing the hell and the alienation that our sin deserves. He's paying the price that brings us, as we said, forgiveness. But something else is taking place also in that moment. As Jesus cries out, his cry reflects the cries that have been wrung from many a broken heart who live in a fallen and broken world because of its complexities and because of its confusions, because of the contradictions and the sufferings that they endure. What? What is happening here? The fact is that we have questions that we don't know how to answer. Questions when justice seems to be denied us. Questions when we can't seem to get a hold of our own selves and understand our own selves. Questions when facing darkness and disappointments that we create or others bring to us. And when the world keeps spinning them out, it's injustices and offenses to us. God, why? What does this mean? Where do I fit into all of this? And most often the answers don't come. And the questions haunt us. And the resurrection promises us that one day we'll get our answers to all of our cries. And all the things that are left unanswered and all the 
contradictions of life and all of our concerns will be honored by God. The questions we ask are oftentimes not little minor questions. They're deep questions that are probing into the mind of God. And God has created us to connect to Him. God has created us to know Him. And really what we're doing is we're groping for some contact with God in the midst of our darkness. And God does not despise these questions. He'll answer them. He'll answer them. Why we have our moments of forsaking. Actually, if you look at the book of Job, which we're not going to do this morning, it's the oldest book in our Bibles. And Job has been a good man and a righteous man, seemingly so, and yet he's experiencing the loss of everything that he holds dear. And then comforters come to comfort him with no comfort. Their whole theology is, if you're suffering bad things in your life, it's because obviously there's something we don't know about that God does, and he's getting you for it. Job's not willing to yield to their argument. He knows he hasn't really done anything, and he can't understand why God has let these things happen. And He knows as well that death is coming quickly upon him, and he's not going to get his answers. And then he thinks to himself, if life goes down, if I go down into the grave and I go down to the darkness without an answer to these deep and profound questions, then life is meaningless. And life cannot be meaningless. So Job reasons there must be a resurrection. There must be a point in time in which God raises me back from the dead because God knows I need these answers. And I believe God is true and I believe the world has meaning and so God is going to give me those answers. And Job is the first one who brings forward, you might say, the argument for the resurrection and his anticipation for it. And we just sang about it this morning in our worship. Job says in Job 19, 25 and 27, coming to this conclusion, I know that my Redeemer lives. This is his comfort. With unanswered questions, this is his comfort. And he shall stand at last on the earth. And after my skin is destroyed, this I know, that in my flesh I shall see God, whom I shall see for myself, and my eyes shall behold him and not another. And then he writes, how my heart yearns within me. You know what he's yearning for? An answer to his questions. An answer to the conundrums of life. Jesus' cry reflects the great questions that come upon us in a fallen world where we still grope. We still grope for truth and for God's face. And Jesus' resurrection promises that he holds all the answers. We'll meet him one day before his throne, and on that day all of the earth will have its answers then, and everyone will conclude that the God of all the earth has done right. He was right in all that he did. And it's the hope of the resurrection that keeps us fixed and keeps us going. It's what Paul was referring to in 1 Corinthians 13, 12. Listen to these words. He says, For now we see through the glass darkly. That's it. Questions unanswered. But then, face to face. Now I know in part, questions unanswered. But then, I shall know just as also I am known. Paul knew it. Job knew it. Life is meaningless if there are no answers to the hard questions we ask. But Jesus has risen and he has the answers One day he's going to give them all to us. He's risen. How wonderful, how hopeful. Two more very quickly. Jesus, after his suffering, just as the darkness is dispelling, he's conquered our sin, he's suffered for it. He's borne all of our iniquities and bore God's judgment against that sin. As the darkness dispels, he cries out, I thirst. Moisture is brought to him. 
This is an expression, by the way, of the deep longing of the soul to be satiated and to be given fullness and to experience life. And Jesus is promising us that as he rises again, he will be the spring of water of life that we shall drink and never thirst again. Because he thirsts on the cross, there is the promise for us that we shall never thirst, but shall experience deep, profound satisfaction. The answer to the question is here, this is, who shall satisfy? Who shall satisfy the deep, profound cravings of my life? Jesus will. He's risen to satisfy those cravings. And then Jesus cries out, it is finished. This is the next declaration. makes. It is finished. And the question here is, is there rest from our work? Life is hard. You get up each day and you make it through the day so you can get up the next day and make it through the next day. Working and laboring to provide for yourself and meet your needs. And you, sometimes you feel like you're on a wheel. You're inside a wheel. And you're just going round and round and round and you're never going to get off and it's exhausting. Add to this, all of the work just to live day in and day out. Add to this, the work that people engage in, not only to live in this life, but hopefully so they can earn the next life. You know, I'm working hard to make it through this life and, and now I got to work hard to make up for the sins I've committed and try to be a good enough and righteous person so that I can earn salvation. And what a labor that is. What a burden that is. Lord Jesus on the cross is doing the work for us. He's suffering for our sins and he's dying in our place and he's bearing the burden and he's taking the punishment and he's bringing before God the complete and utter righteous life that he lived and he's presenting it as a gift to us. He'll take our sin. He'll take the hard work of bearing our punishment. He'll give us his righteousness. He'll apply to us the hard work of living a righteous life. We'll get covered in his righteousness. And then when he's completed the transaction and made it open to us to receive by faith, he cries out, it's finished. It's accomplished. There's rest from the work. There's rest from the work. In fact, stop working. Stop trying to save yourself. He's done it for you. That's the answer to the question. Here's the last one. The Lord Jesus then says, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. This answers a question, it's this. Is it safe to die? Is it safe to die? Jesus, having paid for our sins, committed his life and his spirit into the hands of the Father. It was a word of profound comfort and resignation. The Bible tells us that it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God, that God is terrible and awesome and to be feared in his holiness. But if you come to rest in the finished work of Jesus Christ, if you by faith repent and believe and receive him, there is nothing to fear in death. In fact, for the believer and follower of Jesus Christ in the New Testament, it's called falling asleep. Falling asleep. There's safety there. There are hands extended out to take you and receive you. That's the answer. Yes, there's safety in death. In Jesus Christ, there's safety. He's risen to make it safe to die, to bring us into victory. So there you have it. Forgiveness, relationship with God, provision in life, answers for all your hard questions, satisfaction for your deepest yearnings, rest from the work of saving yourself, safety and death. Answers to all the good questions. There you have it. It's all confirmed in the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. There you have it. Or do you? Do you? You have to repent. 
It's not in myself. The answer's not here. I can't come up with them. You've risen. You have all the answers. I believe in you. You'll get your answers. Let's bow our heads and pray. God, you have moved heaven and earth to bring us to yourself. Your goodness introduces us to possibilities. You also reveal to us the questions we ask. You stir them within us so that we might search and grope and then find the answer in your Son, Jesus Christ. He's come. He's lived. He's died. He's risen from the grave. Thank you, O God, for the promise that you answer all, that all is complete in him. God, I would pray in this hour, in this moment, that these very questions we talked about might be aggravated in the lives of those present. Stirred up. Stirred up to the point in which they find resolution in your Son, Jesus Christ. And we'll give you praise for then the salvation and the life that he gives us. We say all these things in Jesus' name, who has risen indeed. Amen. Before we sign off for this broadcast, I want to remind you of a ministry website that we've developed. It is testyourtestimony.com. Our concern is that there are many in our churches who do not have a true born-again relationship with Jesus Christ and so face the prospect of His rejection at the judgment seat in the last day. Our pity for these has made us develop the site testyourtestimony.com in order to apply the command of 2 Corinthians 13.5 to test ourselves to see whether we're in the faith. For now, I look forward to our next time partaking together of the bread of life. Till then, may God bless you.